sacraments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men rabbi rabbi but be not ye called rabbi for one is your master even christ and all ye are brethren and call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father which is in heaven neither be ye called masters for one is your master even christ but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted and now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It's good to be back again. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? The sun is beginning to shine. I hope we are all glad that we are alive and that we are here in God's house this morning for worship. Today, as you know, is the 20th Sunday after Trinity. The text that I just read tells us words that Jesus spoke on Tuesday of Holy Week. This was the Tuesday before he died on Good Friday. He left the temple that Tuesday afternoon and he never entered it again. Here we find Jesus denouncing the scribes and the Pharisees. We've got to understand that the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were the ones who called themselves the masters of the people. They were the ones who said, we are the masters with regard to the eternal things that you people are to believe. We are the bosses regarding the eternal destiny and everything that pertains to it. We are the ones who are authorities as regards what you are to believe and how you are to live in order to have eternal life. And oh, what masters, what leaders, what various men they were and what bosses. They were false to the core. They spoke to the people and instead of being authorities with regard to the eternal things that they needed to know, they compounded a lot of things that they made in their own minds. Jesus said that day, you load up a lot of things that don't mean anything and you impose it upon the people and you wouldn't lift your finger to do it yourself. You do a lot of preaching, but you don't do a lot of doing. They exploited the people. They got the last nickel out of them. They took advantage of them. They pulled the wool over their eyes. They didn't care about them. Jesus says, these are the ones that I denounce. These are the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the ones that say, we are the ones that are authority with regard what you are to believe and how you are to live. We determine what you are to believe as regards your eternal destiny. We have the final word as regards what you are going to do in order to have eternal life. And these were the false leaders. And then, as he denounced them in this 23rd chapter, Jesus made a tremendous statement about himself. Contrary to these self-imposed masters, these self-imposed experts, these self-imposed authorities and bosses as regards the eternal destiny of people, Jesus says, one is your master, Christ. I am your master. I, Jesus Christ, he told them that day. Can you imagine the stranger of Galilee standing in the temple and standing, as it were, before the world and saying, listen, I want you to know that I am, I and only I am the authority as regards what you are to believe with regards to your eternal welfare. 
I am the one and the only boss as regards the eternal things which pertain to your everlasting life. I am that one authority. I decide as regards your eternal welfare. I determine. I have the say-so as regards what you are to believe. I am the master. Jesus Christ, no one else. When you want to know something as regards your eternal destiny, Jesus was saying, you come to me. And this morning, Christ says to the world, what a statement in the temple that Tuesday. This is your master, I am. I am your master, I am the authority as regards what you are to believe, as regards what you are to do in order to gain eternal life. I and only I am the master, the boss the authority, no one else. You and I may say when he calls to you and me, write it on your hearts and don't you ever forget it. We may say it's hard to believe that Christ says to you and me this morning, there is one master and I am that master. I am that authority. I am that boss. As regards your eternal destiny and everything pertaining to it, you and I may say that's hard to believe because after all, is he? Who is he? Who did he think he was? standing there in the temple that day before the crowds and the apostles and the religious leaders of his day. One is your master, he said. You and I may say, is he? What right does he have to say that he and he alone is the one master as regards those things which pertain to our eternal destiny, that he is the one authority, that he is the one and only boss? You and I may say, is he? Where is there any proof? Who, after all, did he think he was? Did he have any right to such a claim? That Jesus, could he justify saying something like that? And you and I may say, well, if he is the one authority, if he is the one master, if he is the one boss as regards what we are to believe and how we are to live, then surely there would be comfort and there would be assurance that we have as we would turn to him with our spiritual problems as regards our eternal destiny. But if he isn't, then there will be no assurances. But this morning, Jesus would say to you and me, one is your master, and that's I. I am your master. I am your authority. I'm the only one in all the world, nobody else. I am the one. I decide what you are to believe. I determine how you are to live. I am the one who has the last words as regards your whole spiritual life and everything that pertains to it in the hope of eternal life. And Jesus says, and I will prove that I have that right, I will give you proof that that claim of mine is true. And you and I may say, you mean that I can stake my eternal destiny on him? He is that one authority. And Jesus says, do you want proof? The first proof he would remind you and me of this, that he was no less than God himself, who was the origin, who again was not only the origin, but he was the beginning our eternal destiny. When he was here on earth, he had finished three years of his public ministry, and here were the leaders of the church who were turning their backs on him. They were making themselves masters. They were saying, he isn't the master as regards your eternal destiny. He is not the Savior. And therefore, Jesus says, they like to call themselves master and rabbi and father. And when Jesus says, don't call anybody rabbi on earth, don't call anybody master, don't call anybody your father, he isn't saying that we can't use those terms. So what he's saying is this in simple language. 
He's saying, don't you make anybody on earth your master as regards the eternal destiny of your soul. Don't you make anybody your rabbi. Don't you call anybody your father and say, here is the one who is the authority. Here is the one who says he decides those things which pertain to my eternal destiny. Jesus says, only I. And we look at him and we say three years of miracles to prove that he was no less than God the Son, that he was God himself and that in him as God, here was the origin of all truth and of all verity as regards our eternal welfare. Where did truth originate? It originated in Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. And because he was no less than God himself, and he proved it by his miracles that he performed, and by the things that he said, you and I can say this, he had a right, therefore, to stand there that day and to say, one is your master, and that's I. No one else. I am the one that decides everything that pertains to your eternal destiny, how you are to live and how you are to believe. He again, he was no less than God. This truth originated in him in heaven. And when we go to him, and when we say, I come to you, I want to know from you, then we have this comfort and this assurance that his word is reliable. It'll never let us down. There is no credibility gap when we turn to Jesus Christ who says, I am the master. And when he tells us, therefore, this is what I say, because truth had its origin, it originated in him. We say, was he the master? Could Jesus stand before the world and say, I am the authority. I and I alone. I am the boss. As regards anything which pertains to your eternal destiny, your life beyond the grave, I am that authority. And you and I say, is he? Did he ever give us any proof? And Jesus says, I give you this proof that I am no less than the Son of God who came into the world to reveal my plan of salvation, he would tell us, and to carry it out. Proof that he is the authority, the boss in all spiritual matters, in the eternal things which pertain to your soul and mine. By the way, whose plan of salvation is it that you and I know? Did it originate in the minds and the hearts of the scribes and Pharisees? Oh, no. The very plan of salvation that we have originated in the mind of Christ as the Son of God. It was God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit who originated the plan of salvation that because we were lost and dead in sin that God's Son came into the world and became a human being. That he would be our substitute and on the cross he would bear hell and damnation for you and me. That he would merit a righteousness that would admit us to heaven. This plan of salvation originated in Christ. Who has a better claim on saying, one is your master, one is your boss. And all those things that pertain to your eternal welfare, to your divine and your everlasting welfare and your salvation. Jesus says, I'm the one boss. There isn't any other boss. Don't you ever call anybody else your boss and your authority. Don't call them father and rabbi. When we turn to him, Jesus says, I decide all this. When we turn to him, we've got this comfort that he and he alone really has deliverance from hell and the gift of eternal life to give us. Well, then there is no credibility gap. When we turn to him, we can say, I can stake my life on this because he is the authority. Because he was no less than God, it's his plan of salvation. And he died for me, therefore I know that in him there is deliverance from eternal death and there is eternal life. Jesus says, I give you also this assurance. 
that I carried out my plan of salvation to completion and I proved it by my resurrection. What greater proof do you and I want as we look at this stranger from Galilee standing there in the temple? Oh, he didn't look like the master. He didn't look like the boss as regards the eternal destiny of the world. He didn't look like the one that has authority in everything that pertains to what we're to believe and how we are to live in order to be saved, in order to go to heaven. But he stood there and he dared to say it before his greatest accusers when he denounced them. One is your master, Christ. I am that authority. And you and I say, how in the world could he say it? Is he? Look at him. And Jesus reminds you and me by his miracles. He was no less than God. And he carried out that plan of salvation on the cross and he arose again from the dead. We have a living Christ. There is no greater proof in all the world. But when he spoke that Tuesday afternoon of Holy Week in the temple and said, one is your master that believe you me, he was telling the truth. And here is this assurance that we had in the gan, in this flamboyant and changing world. And we said, what shall I believe? Where shall I go? And all the voices that are authorities and masters and all the bosses in the church exploiting individuals and you and I see it done. Jesus says, one is your master. Don't you ever forget it. You come to me. I am the one. I determine everything that pertains to your eternal destiny, everything you are to believe, and everything again as regards the way in which you are to live. I am that one master. I am that one authority. I am that one boss. Why? Because he arose from the dead. And when we turn to him, he gives us this assurance, and there's no credibility gap here at all, that when we put our faith in him, we are saved regardless of our sins. And we can say to ourselves, I don't care how my sins stink the highest heaven. I don't care how great and heinous they have been. This I know from him who is the authority. But when I repent of my sins and I put my faith and trust in him, that I have eternal life that I know that I am saved and there's no credibility gap and he'll never lead you and me down. Why? Because he made the statement and it still stands today in this 20th century. One is your master. You've got only one boss. You've got only one authority. In everything that regards your eternal destiny, Jesus says, and I am that one authority. And believe you me, he gave us proof. We may say, what proof is he really? Christ reminds me that we have also this proof that in creation he wrote his law of right and wrong in the heart of man. Go back to the creation of the world. When God made man, when he made Adam and Eve in his own image, let's bear in mind that image was not this, that Adam and Eve looked like God because God didn't have a body at that time. The Father never assumed human nature. Jesus at that time was not a human being. The Holy Spirit was not a human being and never has become a human being. So when we were created in the image of God, Adam and Eve, it was in the likeness of God. God breathed his spirit into man. And what does it mean? It means that God breathed into man the knowledge of right and wrong. Adam and Eve knew by creation what was right and what was wrong. And the word we use to describe that is conscience. Adam and Eve had a perfect conscience. They had a perfect moral sense of what was right and what was wrong. And when they sinned, of course, it became blurred. But the very fact that Jesus is the one who assures us as regards what is the way in which we please God, that he is the one as God who wrote it into the hearts of Adam and Eve by creation. You and I have this assurance then. When we turn to him and we say, you're my boss, 
You're my authority. You are my master as regards anything that pertains to my eternal destiny. What's the comfort and the assurance that he gives us? It's this, friend. You've got a conscience and so have I. And because we've got a conscience, he reminds you of me, we are moral beings, regardless of what the world says. And heaven is going to be a moral world. It's going to be a moral existence. Today we are being told, what's morality? We're being told by the intelligent, it comes from the Latin word mores, which simply means customs. So when you talk about morality, you're simply talking about convention. You're simply talking about customs. But Jesus, the authority, the boss, who gave you and me a conscience says, don't you ever kid yourself that you aren't a moral being, that you can kick over all moral traces. You've got a conscience and so have I. And when we go to him, he says, the remnant of that knowledge of right and wrong, that celestial spark that you have, here is the assurance you're a moral being. Animals are unmoral. You and I are moral. Heaven is going to be holiness. Don't let any man ever tell us anything else. Oh, he denounced those scribes and Pharisees that day because they were usurping an authority that they didn't have any right to have. We're the bosses. We decide, people, what you are to believe and how you are to live. If you want eternal life, we are the authorities. And they were castigating Jesus. And if he ever turned on them, this was the day of justice. And he told them, I am. I am the master. Jesus Christ, nobody else. We say to ourselves, can Christ stand before the world and say, I'm the boss. I am the authority in everything that pertains to your eternal welfare. You're interested in life beyond the grave. You're interested in heaven. You're interested in being saved. And Jesus says, then bear this in mind. I am the master. One. Just one. Nobody else. Nobody else could ever usurp it. I. One is your master. Jesus Christ, and he called himself the Messiah and the Savior. You and I say, is he? That's asking a lot. I, I must turn to him. He is, he is my authority. He is my boss. As regards anything that pertains to what I'm to believe and how I'm to live. And he says, oh yes, and I prove it. Why? The word of God is full of it. He was no less than God. He proved it by his life and by his miracles. He was the one that repeated the law and gave his law of right and wrong through Moses at Mount Sinai. That came 2,500 years after God had created Adam and Eve. After the Son of God had written into Adam and Eve's hearts that by creation they knew the will of God perfectly, what was right and wrong. And when sin came, it blurred itself. And 2,500 years later, because man's conscience was being dulled and it was not as acute as it should be, and man was groping what is right and what is wrong. At Mount Sinai, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he gave his law and he wrote it on two tables of stone. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he went on down to the ten. It was Jesus, God the Son, the eternal Son of God, who was there also and who gave God's law, written. You and I say, does that justify this claim? It most assuredly does. Right and wrong came from him. What is right? That is right which Christ says pleases him, and that is wrong which Christ says displeases him. And therefore, when we go to him, and we are concerned about our eternal welfare, our eternal destiny. Jesus says, I'm your boss. I'm your authority. Don't you go to anybody else if they would lead you astray. 
You come to me, I decide what you are to believe. I determine how you are to live. I've got the say-so. You and I say, did he ever prove it? He was no less than God, even though he didn't look like it as he stood there in the temple that afternoon. But because he has given that law, we turn to him. What's the comfort and the assurance that we have, regardless of what the world says, that right always remains right and wrong always remains wrong, and they never, never change. Today it's good pastime, isn't it, to say that what's right today may be wrong tomorrow. And what's wrong today may be right tomorrow. That you can go out and you can live as you please. There isn't such a thing as something being absolute. When we turn to the word of God and we say, how am I to live? God is given through Jesus Christ his eternal law. And let me tell you, it stands in absolute standing. And it stands and it never changes. Young folks may say, you don't... You don't have to stand. What's right? What's wrong? Jesus says, I'm your authority. Don't you listen to the world. The world says, oh, you've got to live to the full and you kick it over. Jesus says, one is your master. And that's I. Nobody else. When you and I learn that, then we're going to say to ourselves, nobody is going to lead me astray. There is no compromise between right and wrong. There never has been and there never will be. It was a tremendous day there in that temple. Yes, he had dealt with them in love. Love came to an end, and there was time now that justice came. And if any group was ever denounced, Jesus' orations were tremendous here in this 23rd chapter against the scribes and the Pharisees, even as, again, Cicero with his orations against Catiline, which can't compare with the severity of Jesus when he stood before them and said, I... I and I alone, I'm the authority, I'm the boss. You and I may say, is he? That he decides anything that pertains to our spiritual welfare and our eternal life, that he's the authority, he is the master. And Jesus says, yes, and I have proved that I am no less than God. And Jesus says, he is no less than God because he hates all forms of sham and of all forms of hypocrisy. And he proved it because his was a life of service to others. Here were the scribes and the Pharisees. I know the world stands and the world looks at Jesus Christ and it looks at the Christian faith and the world says, look at the bunch of hypocrites. Well, may I say, I suppose you and I gag sometimes, I know I do, at what some leaders in some churches do and how they exploit people and get the last buck out of them and the last dime and they subjugate them and they're in there for all that they can get, and God knows they don't care about a man's eternal That gags me, and I bet it does you. And it gags Jesus. Sometimes men forget that. And he stood up and he told them, you whited sepulchers, you generation of vipers. He hated it. No man on earth ever hated sham and deceit and hypocrisy more than Jesus Christ. He got him told that day. It was righteous indignation. He ever spoke to the leaders of the church. He told them, he again says, I'm the boss. When you and I turn to him, we can say, he is the boss, the authority. He hated sham, bigotry, 
running around with scripture passages in leather boxes fastened on their forehead and on their arms, standing in the marketplace, Rabbi, teacher, father. Jesus says, a bunch of nitwits and a bunch of whited sepulchers. You never hated Shem any more than he did. Jesus says, I am the Son of God, and I hate it, and I came to give my life as a ransom for many. What is the comfort and the assurance that, listen, you'll never find him a sham. I don't care what men say about the church and about Jesus Christ. He'll never fail you and me. He'll never stand, and we'll never be disillusioned as we stand before him because he hated sham and pretense with a vengeance. Jesus, what well, was a tremendous day. Sometimes we miss this on Tuesday. When he stood before the religious world and said, you think you are the leaders and the bosses. You think that you decide what men are to believe and how they are to live. Christ says, I tell you, I'm the boss. And don't you ever forget it. I'm the master. I'm the authority. You and I say, isn't he? Well, if he is, what comfort and assurance. He is because he also gives us the assurance that he's coming again. He's going to be in charge of the judgment. He's alive, he went back to heaven, and he's coming back, and he's coming back for judgment. And when he comes back for judgment, he is the one who is going to decide, not the scribes and the Pharisees, not the shams and the nitwits and the frauds who are in the church milking everybody for all they can get, exploiting, getting the last buck they can get out of individuals, robbing the widows and the orphans and God knows what. Jesus says, I'm the authority. I'll be in charge that day. When he comes again, there will be justice. Because he is going to be the one who is going to be in charge of the judgment, there isn't anybody else going to negate him and those who have turned to him. Those that have found comfort and say, I know what I am to believe, that you are my Christ and my faith is in you, and I am to live in keeping with that faith. They shall have eternal life, and he'll spew the others out of his mouth. This is what he has said, and there will be no recourse and no appeal because... He is no less than God. It was a tremendous statement. About time the church stops for a moment once in a while and said, just whose church is this? Some of the things I heard in Minneapolis I didn't like. You'd think that some human beings are running this show. You'd think that some human beings have decided just who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. I don't like that. There's only one boss I've got there's only one master I've got. There's only one rabbi I've got. There's only one teacher. There's only one boss. And that's Jesus Christ. Because that's what he said on Tuesday of Holy Week. This is still his church. Believe me, he's running the show. When you and I know that he decides what we're to believe and how we're to live. Not man. Anybody that sticks his head up in the church and he's going to decide it don't know. Jesus got them told in this 23rd chapter of St. Matthew, when he left the temple that day, he never went back. He got the church told, and the church needed to be told. I think the time has come that we're going to say to ourselves, whose church is this? Jesus says, when is your master? When you and I can write that on our hearts, then we're going to thank him that we can go back to the word of God and find out just what are we to believe in. How are we to live? Thank God we've got the word. He wrote it out so we can go and find out. What did he say? He's the boss. Well, then again, we ought to test everybody that stands up and would pose as a master and as a boss and say, wait a minute, Buster. 
if what you're saying is true, does it stand on the basis of the word of God? Is this what Christ said? And he's the only boss I know. We ought to check it. But let me tell you this. I don't care what anybody says against the church. Know this. The church is still genuine. Christ assures us of that. Don't you ever tell anybody or let anybody tell you it's a fraud. And Jesus Christ stood before them in genuineness and said, This is the truth. I am the boss and he proved it. Don't forget he was no less than God. It can smear the church, but down underneath it all it still stands. It's got a boss who died and who rose again. And those who believe in him shall have eternal life regardless of their sins. We ought to determine then that whenever we teach the word of God or whenever we preach it, that there's only one concern, and that is, what's the boss say? I had this brought home to me in my early ministry. I'll never forget it. You realize just the accountability of what it means to stand in this pulpit Sunday after Sunday? In simple language, it means this. Unless I preach what my boss says, your souls are at stake. And I hope to God in 35 years of preaching here that there isn't any one of you that can stand before Jesus at the last day and say I'm lost because Howlinson led me astray. He didn't lead me in the things of God. I want to be free from your blood. But in my early ministry, this thing has almost haunted me. I've told you the story about meeting the harlot of Eton when she sent for me and told me about her life and said... Oh, I don't want to be buried like the dogs. Could you say something over my body? And I told you that story and how she came to Jesus Christ and how I brought her to faith in him through the Holy Spirit, giving her comfort that harlots and prostitutes and those with venereal diseases can still be saved. And there was a woman with a tremendous sense of guilt and how could God forgive? She was confirmed what I'm interested in when she was dying out at the infirmary and I was there speaking to her. I'll never forget it as long as I live. She looked up and smiled and she said, I, I have peace with God. I know that I'm saved and I'm going into eternity believing, Reverend, what you told me. To put my trust in Jesus. You know those words, what you told me. They've been written on my heart all those years. Oh God, I, what I told her. And I questioned it every day of my life. What you tell them, is it what the boss says? And I said to her that day, I said, that's the way I'm going too, Adeline. It's going to be just the way you're going. It's going to be faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the boss says. I hope that I am free from the blood of all of you. That there won't be anyone we can stand on the judgment day and point a finger and say, I led you the wrong way. Wasn't what the boss said. And that again, we can walk the glory road and have that peace. When we can speak, this is what the boss says. We can sing together, living for Jesus, a life that is true, allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee, for thou and thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master. That's it. I don't have any other boss. I own no other master. My heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live.
O Christ, for thee alone. I hope I'm free from the blood of all men, that we can, as brethren, we can still walk the glory road. And we can say, I've got peace. I'm living for him. That's my boss. That's my authority. He's the only one. That's all that matters. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.